What's up, everybody? How's it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the World Wide Web? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you on a, another edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. And uh, uh, it's going to be one of those days where we're not going to talk a whole lot of wrestling, unfortunately. But uh, we're here. We're good. Uh, things are happening. Uh, I hope you guys can hear me, by the way. <laughs> um, I think you guys can hear me. Something is happening with my audio level here on the board, but um, maybe it'll change in a moment here. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk uh, all of the news about wrestling, of course, and not just about that terrible botch by Top Dollar on SmackDown. Uh, that everybody's talking about. We're going to talk about the actual awful things like wrestlers leaving Twitter, wrestlers getting fired from WWE, possibly unjustly, and um, all that other good stuff. So thanks for joining me this morning on the Heel and Face podcast. And... Um, I'm just uh, excited to be here to go through all of the uh, uh, the news with you. Let's talk first about uh, what's coming up. As you know, it is the end of the year, and the end of the year brings all of the great award shows, but none better than... The Heel and Face Awards, that's right, everyone. The Heel and Face Awards are coming upon us. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. Often imitated, never duplicated. And you can check out all your favorite uh, categories, including Rookie of the Year, which... Again, I hate to say it, but Logan Paul has already won Rookie of the Year, but that doesn't mean that there aren't any other categories that you can uh, be a part of uh, and, and have your two cents in, including Match of the Year, Feud of the Year, or Angle of the Year, Storyline of the Year, um, which is kind of all one category, really. Uh, female Wrestler of the Year, Male Wrestler of the Year, Wrestler of the Year overall, Tag Team of the Year, and so forth. So be sure to catch next Saturday or Sunday. That's actually Christmas Day. So when you're done with the stockings and you're done with the toys and the kids are going back to sleep or they're in a sugar coma of all the candy that they ate and uh, your wife is enjoying her second glass of morning Christmas wine, Come on down, pop on the show, and join me. You will not regret it at all. And, of course, after that, the week after that is the best of the Heal and Face podcast. Tune in for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's obviously one 
story that has dominated the news cycle this year. But I'm going to try to throw in some other fun things, too, that happened in the podcast over the uh, year. So tune in for the New Year's Day edition of the Heel and Face podcast, which is going to be the best of 2022. And, of course, next week's Heel and Face Awards. And I'm so glad that I'm able to be here to uh, talk with you about this stuff because, you know, I couldn't do it without you guys, obviously. But the other issue is I couldn't be here without Heel Turn Wrestling. So if you guys could give Heel Turn Wrestling a shout, if you look up in the crawl after you get the news about... uh, Richard Holiday, you can scroll by and you can see where to go to Heel Turn Wrestling. That's HD Wrestling 316 on Facebook. HD Wrestling 316 on Facebook. It would be greatly appreciated if you could just give us a like and a share and a follow and all the good things. And speaking of all that, you can also check out my podcast on different platforms of social media. Even though I love it here on Facebook, there's always uh, room for other places to put my content. So you can check me out anywhere. Go to Heal and Face Podcast, and I'll be there with my social media. And the audio version of this podcast is obviously going to be streaming on other social media services. So, um, awesome awesome stuff. I appreciate all of the support wherever you want to find me. Um, although, as I think about it, there is a difference between support and fandom and all-out insanity And the first thing I want to talk about is, again, the internet wrestling community doing what it does, which is produce trolls and ruin people's careers, or at least make people so miserable and so frustrated that they can't even function. They can't even live semi-normal lives. Like, I get it. You're a celebrity. There's a certain amount of public scrutiny that you come under. certain amount of public scrutiny that I come under, obviously, with a podcast, but also being a public figure as I am in my position. But this is beyond the pale. This is really... uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get this at all. So, this week, Mia Yim deactivated her Twitter account due to trolls on the internet questioning her friendship with Austin Theory. I don't understand why people need to make it their business when it cur- clearly is not 
This is why people can't have social media. This is why people can't have Twitter. This is why people cannot interact with the fans. These these are the reasons, and the, and the next news cycle, by the way, the news story coming after this was more proof of this. This is proof why Sasha Banks has to have, like, three feet between her and fans. I mean, it's this ridiculous. So Mia Yim, who her only crime is having male friends, posed with a silly pose you can see there and this is only partially the pose because obviously Mia Yim is straddling Austin with uh, her legs and has her arm wrapped around his back so obviously that means that they're uh, getting it on behind the scenes right I mean that's what the internet thinks I cannot fathom and, and stress like how stupid this is that people just can't have friendships anymore without it being ruined by the internet the fact that Mia Kim Mia Yim before she got rid of her Twitter page had to come out and say there's nothing wrong with my marriage that I love my husband very much and that this mean this means nothing. The fact that she actually had to come out and say that and explain it to the internet wrestling community is completely sad and disgusting. And this is the reason why we're never going to get anywhere in society. But of course then uh, instead of having to deal with it she just basically deactivated her Twitter. So, once again, someone has been ruined by some innocent tweet that's not even controversial at all. It's her business, who she hangs around with, and who she's friends with. And y'all got on her, or some of y'all anyway, got on her because she took a picture with a friend, took a goofy picture with a friend. Now you're questioning her marriage. Like, you guys are the first ones again. Um, what was everybody saying when Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest were, like, hanging out, lifting weights, going to the gym together, going to eat together? You, ba you basically said that, uh, oh, well, sorry about your luck, buddy Wilson, buddy Murphy, whatever your name is. But you're out of the picture now. Like, how do you even know that? Like, it's not even your business whether or not it was true. So what, now that she and Dom are closer because of the gimmick now that they're somehow related in a relationship to? I mean, grow up. Honestly, grow up. Like, why can't we have relationships with people? It just blows my mind. So the fact that Mia Yim had to delete her Twitter account because of idiots and trolls and whatnot is beyond me. So, but that wasn't even the worst of what y'all did. And I'm saying y'all in general. That isn't the worst thing that y'all did. Y'all 
took your fandom to a whole new level. And I want to spend a little more time with this one because, yeah, it is a little more nuanced. But still, um, I just fail to see how anyone can feel like that, you know, they, they can, should, and would cause this to happen. But another uh, person who was uh, released by the uh, WWE this week, which was a shocker, kind of coming out of left field, but there's a little more to the story that we'll talk about. But WWE superstar Mandy Rose was terminated due to leaked content from her personal website. Okay, so we're going to unpack this just a little bit. Here's how the story goes according to multiple sources. Mandy Rose has a OnlyFans-ish kind of site called Fansighted, something like that, where it's behind a paywall, but you can view, let's say, mature content. Mandy Rose is one of the top earners, apparently, in this. And it's her own personal site, so I don't even think it's associated with OnlyFans or anything like that. But she still puts content on there specific to membership. So you pay a certain amount of money, you get to see this picture. You pay a certain amount of money, you get to see that picture. And I'm not going to go into two details because, again, this is a family-friendly podcast, but let's just say uh, she puts herself in compromising positions in adult situations for pay. Okay, all right. Well, as we know, the WWE has morality clauses, and they have issues with this kind of thing, and they frowned upon it, obviously, and they told that to most of their talent, not just Mandy Rose. Well... Uh, Mandy Rose never got her content taken down. She never voluntarily took it down. She just kept it up. And one of the fans of hers, I'm assuming, again, the internet wrestling community is involved in this stupidity. One of her fans went ahead and downloaded all of her content and leaked it. So the WWE obviously found out that they can't have one of their superstars with, uh, with, with racy content. She refused violating their law of, in their contract of whether or not uh, she is to be on such websites doing such things that if the brand does not reflect her as an employee of the WWE, she could be terminated. And most importantly, again, as I said, she refused to take that site down because as she claims, she's making more money off of that than as a professional wrestler. So the WWE was going to put in a bond, a bind, I should say, and they had no choice but to release Mandy Rose. I have... Some mixed feelings about this. Uh, 
in a couple of different senses. Number one, first and foremost, this is once again a dumb way that the WWE uses legalese to stop people who are independent contractors from being fully independently contracted. Now I know this isn't wrestling for another promotion, of course. This is a personal account that she's using as a side job to make money, which I will speak on in a minute. But first of all, the whole notion that the WWE can sit there and say, well, you're an independent contractor. We sign you to a contract and you work a certain amount of days to get a certain amount of money. But you can't do this, this, this. For them to enforce that, again, with the very real threat and a possibility that if anybody had the guts to do it, they could not only sue the WWE for this, but they could also you know, get a lot of money and open up the floodgates for all of professional wrestlers who work for WWE. But she doing it, again, this is her business on her own dime. She's not taking away from her job, et cetera, et cetera. This is her side gig. This is her side hustle, right? Okay, so um, now we'll get into the morality clause and whether or not WWE has a point, which they kind of do in one sense. This is old school booking sense, and it's not just hearing it from certain retired Southern wrestling personalities. But this is also, I've been hearing it from other people too in the business world. The WWE is the de facto PR arm for every wrestler. There is a symbiotic relationship between being a wrestler and being a wrestler in WWE, which is the WWE is your platform to perform, but you also have to realize that you're working for this company. So they make you look good, but you have the obligation to make them look good too. And very similar things happened in, in my life where, you know, I am the face of where I work and whether I like it or not, whether I agree to it or not, I'm a very public figure and whatever I do reflects on me. And if my something I do, something stupid that I do, uh, affects my job, then they have every right to do something to uh, to me. That includes termination, right? In the old days of the territories, if a wrestler wanted to make an appearance or had an appearance or had something, a function to go to, the, the booker would generally set it up and then pay them. Right. So, you know, if you were in Mid-South and you uh, they needed to drum up some advertisement to get kids to come to the show this weekend, then Dusty Rhodes would be sent out to the local toy store, to the Toys R Us to do an autograph signing from one to three. And he would use that time to promote the 
events that were happening at seven in the local town. And then you would get paid extra for your time. So you, you know, be the main event, be the main, get the main event money and get the money from the house. But then you would also get an extra 500 bucks or whatever for showing up at a, uh, at an event in town to help drum up more ticket sales. Now, Unless you were elite level like Hulk Hogan and all that in the 80s where you got all the endorsements. Wrestlers didn't get endorsements like they they did back then. They didn't get the, the things that they're getting now as far as being an influencer, of course. But if you had an appearance, if you were working somewhere and you showed up at a car dealership to cut a ribbon, the booker was the one who made sure you got paid for it because as a pro wrestler... Even though you're marketing for yourself, you're working for yourself, the booker you're working for is providing you the platform. Dusty could have worked for any company and been the spokesman for any company. But the simple fact that he was working down in the South predominantly as a pro wrestler, he made the money through the booker because it was the promotions, it was the promoters that provided the vehicle for the wrestler to become famous. Now, I know a lot has changed. Obviously, social media has changed, and uh, the way that uh, the WWE does business affects all of the other wrestling promotions. It's a top-down thing about contracts and all that stuff. But I guess Mandy Rose does have a little bit of an obligation to keep her nose clean and do what she's asked to do. So the defiance part is the part that kind of gets me. Now let's move into that a little bit. Like she refused to say no. Now in the past, WWE has wavered. They've gone back and forth depending on who's in charge. It's either Vince or whatever. Uh, the rules for being able to do your own thing independently as far as social media being an influencer have been relaxed by Triple H. Um, who knows if they'll be tightened to back up again. But to just flat out say no, even though you've been asked multiple times by your employer and have had talks with your employer about it and you still say no, I mean, they don't have a choice to get rid of you. I mean, if you flat out reduce, re refuse something now, is she making all that money? Sure. Will she make the same amount of money she's making 10 years from now? Um, who knows? I hope so. God bless her. But it's not a tough ask. It's not a tough ask. And if you refuse, then, you know, did you even really want to be part of it in the first place? Like, obviously, she's making more money on being on this site than normal, than if she was an actual wrestler. And it's fine. Like, if that's your choice in life, go for it. I'm not going to uh, criticize anybody who can make money. There's plenty of people who have turned their side job, their side hustle, or their gig into their main gig and have lived happily and um, highly productive lives. But I'm not sure how long this is going to last. And the WWE is always going to be there. But my last thing, because I'm going with the pros and cons, so, so we'll end on a pro is, Again, good for her if she's standing up for herself and feels like she can do this and that she is totally justified, then more power to her, okay? Um, it's a shame 
But again, this only came about because a fan leaked all of her information. I don't know where she leaked her information. I could care less where her information is leaked. I just think that I don't know what this guy was trying to prove on leaking it. Uh, there was a rumor that uh, there was some stalking involved, that he was threatening to do other things if she didn't talk to him personally. So there could be that level of it. Um, I could see why another reason she wouldn't want to get rid of it because it's technically not her fault. Again, WWE wouldn't have even known about it had this guy leaked it. So I don't know, maybe he was just trying to do this to get back at her, maybe cause some type of revenge. Who knows the full motives of everyone involved, but it's just unfortunate that she has been terminated because of this. Uh, and, and all ironically enough, she was the poster child for the quote unquote sexiness that the divas, I'm sorry, the women wrestler had, wrestlers have been acted, asked to show. So if you remember about a month ago, Athena, who was Ember Moon in WWE, who is now wrestling in Ring of Honor, I guess, she made a statement that she basically walked out of a meeting because she was so offended because she was asked to dress uh, more like Mandy Rose, more sexy, etc., etc. So I find it, again, ironic, which is not also lost on some of you out there, that the woman who was the most looked to by WWE as a peer leader in this situation for all the other women to be able to get on and do their thing, to look more like her, and she's the one, because they're the one pushing sex appeal and all that, that then she ends up being the one that gets terminated for showing sex appeal. I know that's overly simplified, and I did try to put a nuanced spin on both pros and cons of this whole situation. I just think it's super dumb that uh, Mandy Rose was let go for this when a suspension or a fine or whatever uh, would definitely have taken uh, a better tack, so to speak. All right. Awesome. We're about halfway through the show, and we still haven't got through uh, the other parts of uh, how the internet wrestling community is kind of being weird and awful, and how this includes a couple of prominent pro wrestlers. We'll get to that. We'll also talk about a big return coming at the end of the month. Actually, two, maybe. Two possible returns. One, we're all looking forward to. Another, we are definitely not. But I appreciate you being here with me on the Heal and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heal Turn Wrestling. And I will be back in a few. So stick around. All right. As you can see on the screen again, Look forward to these shows next week, Christmas Day, December 25th, is the Heel and Face Awards. 
often imitated, never duplicated. We talk about all of the great things. And we give awards to all of the wrestlers and people involved in wrestling who deserved it, including promotion of the year, wrestler of the year, female wrestler of the year, male wrestler of the year, rookie of the year, which is already Logan Paul, tag team of the year, uh, and match of the year, feud angle storyline of the year. So a lot of great awards coming, and I hope you're a part of it on Christmas Day. It's the Heal of Face Awards next week and then two weeks from that the best of 2022 so we can talk about every cool thing that happened in the past year actually the major thing happened and then the other little things happen around it so stay tuned two weeks from now january 1st the best of show and then next week is the heel and face awards and I'm glad you could join me on the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. And it's brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Um, so let's get right to it, shall we? Let's go to uh, the next topic. And we're going to stick with female wrestlers who were very influential in the world of professional wrestling. One woman who has, I don't want to say quit, uh, but her contract was not renewed, and now she is going to make, from all reports, a huge debut coming up. In, a, in, in less than a month, I think. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you can see that Mercedes Vernado, formerly Sasha Banks, is rumored to be scheduled to appear at Wrestle Kingdom 17. So the rumors are out there. Her contract was up in October. Every wrestling news organization has been promoting various levels of her involvement from re-signing with WWE to talking to Impact, talking to AEW. Uh, some speculate she may be the mystery partner with Soraya up against uh, DMD and Jamie Hayter, although that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does and doesn't. So you know how w, uh, AEW plays off of WWE's continuity. They would probably do something along the lines of uh, working it back with quote-unquote Sasha Banks and Soraya, who, as we know, it was against Sasha Banks that Soraya, formerly known as Paige, got her neck injury. And no one's really blaming Sasha on that, but it, it it still is the truth. Every rumor out about Sasha Banks is true. <coughs> Excuse me. Every rumor about Sasha Banks, I shouldn't say true, I should say is is, is, is being fabricated. Every level, it's different uh, scenarios, but the 
basic distillation of all the noise out there is that Sasha Banks has had serious talks to arrive at Wrestle Kingdom 17. It's still unclear whether or not she is going to be facing Kyrie Sane for the IWGP women's belt. It's rumored that she is going to uh, show up there and and fight her at Wrestle Kingdom. There are also reports that she has not actually signed anything. She's just making a one-shot appearance. Either way, she should be there. And I know earlier there was a rumor, and I believe there was a fan-generated card where it was signed and inked in. It was going to be Kyrie Sane versus Mercedes Vernado. Uh, but, again, that was a fan-driven page, and I don't know if that was a rumor or fan-driven news. I don't know if it was, it was rumor or not. It's very up in the air, so to speak, as to whether or not her specific things are going to do, that she's going to do. But we do know that she will be making an appearance at Wrestle Kingdom. Good for her, by the way. Um, whatever she does, good for her. The amount that has been circulated is close to 100000 for a one-shot and for appearance. That isn't bad. And I don't understand all the criticism of her wanting to go to New Japan and make this money. I don't understand it at all. Uh, egos are being bruised. Already Chris Jericho tweeted out something. The fact is that I made more money than... And I think he called her Mercedes in his tweet because he's being very careful that he doesn't reveal anything that might not have been revealed yet. And then people got on him for it, so he had to clarify. It's like he said something effective. Over my time at New Japan, I was the highest paid gaijin, but... Sasha Banks is getting the highest one-time payoff. So Chris Jericho's ego was so stroked uh, the wrong way that he can't admit that someone's making more money, that someone's in more demand. I mean, is anyone really in demand? Like, Chris Jericho hadn't been in New Japan in 20, 25 years and comes back as uh, the pain maker or whatever. Sasha Banks is the prime of her career. I'm going to call her Sasha. Her mama called her Sasha. I'm going to call her Sasha. No. Uh, she's in the prime of her career. She has a lot more left. She's burnt out by WWE. And she's always been a New Japan slash Joshi wrestling mark. So it makes sense that she goes and works for uh, Wrestle Kingdom and make as much money as she possibly can. Now, in the beginning, when I heard this, I went to, uh-oh, here's Papa H, you know, spinning that web, putting those feelers out there, right? He already has a good relationship with Kyrie Sane. The fact that she did not leave acrimoniously during the WWE, her time there. I assumed that with with Vince or not Vince with uh, Triple H's um, 
importance on wanting to establish WWE Japan or WWE Asia, that Kyrie was kind of already a messenger pigeon kind of set out there to see what the, the land was going to be like first. Um, then, you know, open the door, the quote-unquote forbidden door, right? Uh, and I also felt when I first heard the news about Mercedes Maranato, Sasha Banks, whatever you want to call her, going and signing, I felt like, well, this is just Triple H showing Tony Khan what the Booker of the Year really does for real with a global uh, company. But even I was wrong, and I will admit that, and I don't know what's happening because she's not under contract at all from the WWE. And then her clause, I think, rolls up around January 4th or whatever. So she could do uh, wrestle once against Kyrie Sane for the belt, and it would be pretty amazing, but who knows what's going to happen. We don't really know. We don't know what she signed for or what she's agreed to. All we know is that she is going to be making an appearance there. So she is definitely securing the bag, and she has got it. It is definitely boss time. Well, speaking of that, though, she did file for a trademark. For the name Mercedes Monet, it looks like that's how it's spelled. It's spelled M-O-N-E. Uh, it's not M-O-N-E-T, how you normally spell Monet, but maybe uh, this is something that, you know, maybe this is, a, again, a Yoshi thing or a Japanese. I'm not too well-versed in Joshi wrestling to make any kind of assumptions about anything that goes on there. I just know they push out pretty, pretty solid female wrestlers. And if Mercedes Vernado, a.k.a. formerly known as Sasha Banks, wants to go and wrestle for New Japan in that division and make a ton of money doing it, then all the best for her. Absolutely. Return when you want to. Do you, boo. And don't be mad when she's making all that money. Be mad at rumors of the return of someone that we don't need. And I know some of you out there who are watching, some of you out there who are listening feel a certain type of way when this man's name is mentioned, and he is definitely going to be the focal point of the Best of 2022 podcast coming up in two weeks. But there is a strong feeling that Vince McMahon will be back in the WWE in the beginning of 2023. <coughs> I mean, could it get any worse? Could 2022 be any worse? Can, can, can Vince McMahon clearly doesn't learn lessons. He's going to be back, and if he is... He is going to undo the six months to a year that Triple H has meticulously built into a great promotion that people can be proud of. I do not need Vince McMahon back. I don't. And I will argue this to my dying day. I really appreciate what he's done for professional wrestling. I, I appreciate what he's done for the sport. I appreciate... Everything that he has done and built WWE into, 
but I don't need him back anymore, especially after how awful he was toward his female interns, his female staff. And I don't know anybody really who's like clamoring for, I know some people are. Shout out to my boy, Logan Morris, Loganity, catch him and the boys. Uh, Travis Napper and uh, Jason McCarthy on the To the Turnbuckle podcast. They do a hell of a show, but love you. If you're out there listening or watching, Logan, I appreciate you. I love you, but we can't have Vince McMahon back. I know you're very into Vince McMahon and all he's done for the sport and, and the respect that he deserves, but uh, he really doesn't deserve any at this point. Because if you you spent all your time, and we, we knew that Vince McMahon was a cad, right? The worst kept secret in professional wrestling is that Vince McMahon is a terrible human being as far as his personal life, right? And the fact that he plays out his personal life in front of the crowds, uh, you know, with disrespecting his wife and having marital issues and playing up all that painful stuff in order to make good television. And, of course, I'll be the bad guy because, you know, blah, 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 right? Well, um, this is bad in lots of different ways, of course, with the paying off of legal interns, with the uh, the hush money, with the flagrant uh, releasing of talent in order to pay the settlements. So in that in and of itself, the fact that you made other continue to make other people suffer, right, because of your mistakes. And you don't even want to call them mistakes, because it's not like um, he accidentally uh you know uh had the intern come into his office right like it isn't like uh, after being a little tipsy uh, getting into a car with your secretary and then you accidentally end up in someone's hotel room like that's not that this is the woeful and blatant disrespect of power and abusing people who are underneath you. So I don't need Vince McMahon back in the WWE. No one does. It's doing fine. It's actually, some would argue it's doing better without him. Is there an issue with talent? Um, I guess so. <coughs> there is an issue... I guess that's come up that Triple H is underwhelmed with some of the people he brought back, uh, which I really hope this does not get spun into Triple H can't long-term figure out how to run the WWE. I think that would be a foolish assumption to make, and I hope people don't make it, because it simply wouldn't be true. I think Triple H is doing a fine job. Yeah, there's some talent that's kind of you know, underwhelming, but... I know people want to say things like, well, Johnny Gargano's boring, and they're messing up Dexter Loomis, and who cares about Candice LeRae, and, and why did they change Sarah Logan's name to Valhalla? That's stupid. Again, it's victim of the name change. All of those factors can be true. But if you spin it the other way, if you say that the reason why some don't care about these people that are being brought back 
you can put it on the shoulders of them not being pushed properly in the first place. So let's give Tegan Knox an example. So as we reported last week, Tegan Knox made her uh, SmackDown re-debut and she came back, although she looked completely different. She came back and the crowd went mild. When Tegan Knox was in the WWE, when she finally got called up to SmackDown, she had a lot of steam, a lot of momentum, a lot of buzz around her, right? And then they were going to continue her feud with Dakota Kai. But Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox get released because of Vince's infidelity. So you shelve somebody for six months. And again, Tegan Knox was injured too. She's been working through injuries. The poor thing, she's had injuries since 15, 16. Her knees have been bad. She's not going to be able to walk by the time she's my age. But they continued her feud with Dakota Kai. And they brought it back. So now it's on SmackDown. Now Damage Control is, you know, the default heel team, which is attacking all the women in W.O. style. Tegan Knox came in for the save and Liv Morgan. And now it's Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox versus EO, Sky, and Dakota Kai. And we're supposed to remember or care about Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox's feud in NXT. Well, no wonder why people aren't interested in either two women. Because you've taken them off TV. They've been gone for too long. So they are a little underwhelming. I mean, God bless her. But has anybody asked for Emma? Like, who was out there saying, you know what, WWE needs to bring back Emma and have another edition of the Emolution? Especially since, you know, the way she left was ridiculous anyway, right? I mean, I'll give her that. The, the way that she left, basically, they just kind of said, no, nah, it ain't working, and pulled the plug and just told her to go goodbye, have some nice parting gifts. That was a little weird, but who asked her to come back? I'm glad she's getting a job. I'm glad she's getting paid. I'm glad she's, you know, gainfully employed. But who is really at, who asked for her back? Um, who who asked for like I could see maybe Hit Row, but between Hit Row Street Profits. You know, it's kind of very similar gimmicks, so I don't understand why, you know, they they were brought back. Um, I assumed, because that one of their first bookings was GCW for the culture, I assumed that they would probably just cut their teeth in the independent circuit and come back, but they were brought back almost immediately, too. So, is it a little underwhelming because John Aragano had so much steam coming from NXT that uh, he was in jeopardy of getting destroyed by Vince? So, he kind of took a break from wrestling, <clears throat> which completely makes sense. And the reason why they're underperforming or whatever isn't because of Triple H. And I understand Triple H is maybe the rumor is that he said he was a little underwhelmed too. It's not Triple H. It's not these calls. It's not these wrestlers in particular. It's that you killed their push when you brought them in a second time after getting rid of them. It's out of sight, out of mind, right? 
I really enjoyed Dexter Loomis, and I think he's great. But the second time around, where they're trying to recapture the magic of what they built in NXT, the way to recapture the magic of what you built in NXT is for Dexter Loomis to go back to NXT. And would it be bad if he won, like, the North American belt or something? No, it wouldn't be at all. I uh, just think that, yes, and again, it's not to say that he is ready. Of course he's ready for Raw. He's a perfect weird character for Raw. But the fact is the general public doesn't care about him as much as they did when he first signed because, quite frankly, WWE's killed their own wrestlers. They've killed their own momentum. They, they don't know what the, you know, creative has nothing for you. They don't know what they're doing. Or they have a certain vision like the gladiator carrying cross. So now the rumor is, is that Triple H can't handle things, that he's not booking things properly, that the talent he's bringing back is underwhelming. So how does Triple H go from saving the world, the king god of this stuff, to uh, like an impotent rube shuffling his feet backstage waiting for his father-in-law to come back? That doesn't jive with me. I think Triple H is doing a fine job. He's doing a fantastic bang-up job with what he's got. And the way to get people interested in other wrestlers is to book them well. So I don't know if that involves Tegan Knox getting a belt. I know she's on borrowed time because, again, with all of her injuries, she probably doesn't want to get injured again, even though wrestling in WWE is probably the safest place you can wrestle on the planet, especially in the women's division. But maybe uh, this is the time to strike while the iron's hot and give her and Liv Morgan the tag belts. You know, why waste time? Why be on borrowed time waiting for the other shoe to drop with another injury? Go ahead. Go ahead and put her in the belts. Give her the belt. Make these people relevant again. You know, enough talking and enough of the backstage stuff. And I know they have to let this Miz stuff run its course. But after that, Johnny Gargano should be going after the U.S. Championship. He's going to be on Raw. He might as well go for the U.S. Championship, right? Have Austin Theory steal the belt back. I mean, he does have the belt, right? Yeah, so it should be Johnny Gargano versus Austin Theory for the U.S. belt. And have a series. Have like a best of five series. If you want to do series, right? But I don't think it's Triple H's fault that some of these characters, some of these wrestlers are being put in a compromising situation. So hopefully the rumors will stay rumors and that Vince will stay out of the WWE. I would I would almost want to pull like Triple H to pull what he put what Vince McMahon pulled on his dad, basically say, hey, dad, you're too old and slow. There's no way. You can't have this anymore. We are running it. We're doing a great job. That's basically what he did to his dad. So I, I hope that Triple H can kind of do something similar to that, to this situation. And WWE's in good hands if it remains with Stephanie Nikon and Triple H. There, I said it. Because at least with Nick Khan, you can attract the big stars. You can make things larger than life. You can use your contacts. Whether it's the rumor that The Rock will face 
Roman Reigns at WrestleMania in Hollywood, or lower tier, lower level superstars who've gone on to become successful movie actors uh, will possibly make it back. Including this gentleman, which is a really interesting uh, take because someone mentioned it on Smack. Actually, John Cena himself mentioned it on SmackDown. But John Cena will come back to tag with Kevin Owens to continue his 20-year streak. I didn't even realize this. And he framed it as Kevin Owens informed him, which is kind of hilarious. John Cena said that he has wrestled every year for the last 20 years, and this was the first year where he did not have any kind of booking whatsoever. And I found that fascinating because that was true. Well, John Cena's been kind of busy. As you know, John Cena has been acting. He's been in The Peacemaker. He's been doing other things. He's the Honda spokesperson, voiceover spokesperson. He's got a lot going on in his plate. The one thing that he hasn't done was wrestle a match this year. And of all people, Kevin Owens, bitter enemy turned friend, reminded him of this. So now he is scheduled to tag with Kevin Owens to face Roman Reigns and Sammy Usozane at the December 30th Friday night SmackDown. That is pretty freaking huge. That's huge. I'm really impressed. Uh, actually, I was blown away that that was an actual stat, that John Cena had not wrestled, that he wrestled at least once for 20 years. And with the whole comeback of the ruthless aggression thing, uh, homages to the ruthless, ruthless aggression era, even though I'm not 100% sure, sure that that era was all that great. It, it produced stars, but it, I don't think as far as moved the industry. But John Cena became the biggest star out of the Ruthless Aggression era, and he will come back to face Roman Reigns, so he'll get that one wrestling match under his belt. Uh, that's going to be fun, and it's going to be something to tap into. You know, we all know that in small doses, John Cena is a lot of fun, and he's doing a lot better than in your face every time, all day, John Cena. We all, uh, at some point, rejected John Cena wholeheartedly because of how much he was being shoved down our throats. But now he's in a comfortable place in his life. Now he doesn't need to be going after belts. Now he doesn't need to uh, do anything silly. Uh, that he is an actor now, and he's only a part-time talent, and he's kind of likes it this way, and he's really good at this role. So 
good for him and good for everybody all around. Can't wait to see next week's SmackDown. Hopefully it will be uh, top dollar botch free, but I can't guarantee anything. Like uh, Michael Cole said on SmackDown, there's a reason why he's never done it before and he probably won't do it again. So look forward to seeing John Cena in the literal last WWE match of 2022, keeping his streak alive with his partner, Kevin Owens, taking on Sami Zayn and the head of the table, Roman Reigns. All right, well, that's it for me. That's it for me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, signing off on another great edition of the Heel and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary in the world of professional wrestling. Don't forget to tune in to next week's show. It is the Heel and Face Awards, followed the week after that by the best of 2002. Thank you guys for joining me. Don't forget Heel Turn Wrestling 316. That's HT Wrestling 316 for Heel Turn Wrestling's page. You will enjoy all of the dank meme content we're there. And while you're there, also uh, go to my page as well, Heel and Face podcast like share subscribe do the things i really appreciate all of your support that's it for me that's it for me the big old stevie c i am signing out for another week have a great week hopefully this week will be more fun with wrestling than uh than news but we shall see and as always peace